The seasons are a-changing. There is a sector rotation going on. Inflation, deflation, commodities, cryptos, bonds, a lot to get into. We're going to talk the Michigan school shooting. We're going to talk Joel Osteen (laughs) and his money walls. A lot to get to. We'll talk about career informants. You can make a living as a rat, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 146 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how are you, sir? Brad-ass rats, man. Uh, (laughs) Osteen is one of them. We'll get to it. This is going to be a good episode. (laughs) Truly uh, a Bizarro World episode. When I was reading through some of the material about the things we're going to talk about today, it was just like... Holy fucking shit, man. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm back off vacation. I'm harnessing the new winds that are um, in the air. And um, yeah, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm excited for the sector rotation. I'm excited for the volatility. I think, you know, by now anybody that knows me knows I, I run, you know, a little bit hyper and I'm wired to embrace the volatility. I like You know, if we're talking basketball terms, the fourth quarter, if we're talking boxing, I like when that first punch is thrown. So I am loving the opportunities out there. Um, I'm excited for it. And let's, you know, let's let's talk about it. Let's get right into it. You know, this new COVID variant is the narrative based theme that is getting thrown around on the major networks, right? The Bloombergs, the CNBCs, the people that tend to have a large audience and following. It was interesting to me that despite, you know, a really volatile week, um, the major U.S. indices, they they, they kind of ticked back up. I mean, at least the Dow did. You know, we had the S&P down less than a percent. Um, the NASDAQ was the one that got hit the hardest, down almost 2%. But I, I, I think it's a buy-the-dip moment. I am curious to hear your take on volatility and interest rates because I know you watch that like a hawk, Nick. You know, it's it's in flux. And so last week we were talking, I was um, not entirely having my eye on the market. I told you I was buying the dip and I, I mentioned a few things that I was buying. Oil, uh, uranium, uh, we might have mentioned cannabis uh, a little bit. And so um, this week I had a better chance to digest and we had a couple of more down days this week. So I was able to look more you know, broadly at all the things and you know, what I see is exactly what you said is new wins that are coming in. I'm not sure um, exactly ultimately, you know, which direction those wins are going to take everything. So, you know, I, I tried to break it down yesterday in the weekly letter and family office advantage, and I'll probably just take that same tact here if that's OK. I mean, the, the, the dollar is getting stronger, which it hasn't been able to do for, for over a year. And, you know, say what you want about that 94 level on the DXY. It's now been breached mm-hmm. uh, officially. I mean, you can't say that any other way. And so it's run almost all the way to 97, in fact. So uh, dollars getting stronger, which initially is what tells you why, you know, commodities are weaker, right? If dollar goes up, commodities uh, typically go down. And so you see that softness in oil, but also in, in some of the metals as well. And so um, you start looking at volatility and you see that, you know, the it's not the end of the world for the VIX, right? For right. the S&P, for stocks, stocks can go higher. I mean, the VIX is elevated, but it's not the highest it's been all year. It's not the highest it's been in a year. And it doesn't look like it wants to keep going higher. But sorry, it's a long answer because there's a lot going on. Volatility for specific things, especially oil, is like through the roof, man. Like yep. um, 
oil, which was going up very fast and um, which I've had people in for over a year now mm-hmm. uh, in in energy funds and also in drillers funds is now looking very choppy and, and, and so volatile that it's difficult to discern which direction it's going to go next. And so um, what else? You asked about yields too. So here's what's very interesting to me. It's like it's again bizarre world right because for a year you and i are banging our heads against the wall and other people too, of course, <laughs> yep. about this transitory thing right like and and jerome and even going back to the trump administration and certainly the biden administration you know taking out the oil and the gas and the things that people need to um, live their daily lives from the inflation equation calling it transitory calling it um, whatever, persistently transitory. It's not going to last pointing to things that were going down, like when lumber prices started to pull back as evidence that inflation wasn't going to last. Meanwhile, uh, commodity prices for many things were going through the roof, hitting 10-year highs, um, you know, copper, coffee, cocoa, uh, all sorts of stuff, right? The inflation was apparent. And, and recently it's become uh, so apparent that it's uh, made every headline and even Jerome had to come out and say, let's retire the word transitory. But what's interesting, um, as herd behavior often is, is that uh, yields can't go, I'm not saying can't, the right word. They haven't gone higher, sort of like they they stopped going higher almost back in like um, April and and May and have just sort of been middling since. And, and, And for that time, it was the U.S. 10-year yield. Sorry, I know it's a long answer. This is what I wanted. This is why I asked the question. Showing, I read it. Yeah. Showing that inflation, right? When yields just completely tripled, basically, from 0.6 to almost 1.8. And now you got inflation in every headline. Uh, that inflation has trickled down to the, the items that people have to buy, right? Has made its way through to the items that are on the shelves, which may persist, but that's different than the main inputs going up. Mm-hmm. I hope that distinction is clear. Yes. Um, so you can have high prices while the inflation is not necessarily in the market forces. I hope I'm saying that right. And so anyway, all that to say that it's just very interesting to me that inflation ran hot and non-transitory for over a year. The Fed and both administrations denied it. And now when it looks like it, it might be softening, at least from a, a, a yield and a um, commodity price perspective, certainly in the case of oil, it's now everyone is on the inflation bandwagon. And so uh, anyway, uh, this is where I say what happens next is above my pay grade. But it seems that stocks could be OK and uh, it could be a breather for commodities. I'm not sure how long that lasts. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I'm not sure. Sh- sure what else to tell you i've been buying um well some of the things i was writing about in the letter i've been buying crypto related things funds i bought some coinbase today i'm i'm starting to give you a word salad now so i'll shut up but uh, i don't know if that answered your question or not it answered it beautifully um at the end of the day if you're trading and speculating in any space you either have to pay attention or pay people to pay attention for you. There is definitely a rotation happening and there is still a ton of opportunity in that market. Gold could pull back another hundred bucks or it could go back up a hundred dollars. There's opportunities there. Um, Same for copper, same for lithium, same for uranium. I am loving the pullback in the uranium space. I'm finally getting, it's 10 to 15% away from 
you know, me adding a couple of more positions to both my personal portfolio and to the paid services because we're finally getting, you know, a, a pretty healthy pullback to levels that are almost, almost to my liking, right? After that initial leg higher. Um, thoughts on the uranium side of things? Uh, I think that uranium is coming into its own on the um, media and call it public perception side of things, right? So, um, you had, uh, studies out this week showing that they're not this week, this month, I should say, or last month, actually it's December now, um, showing that nuclear had to be a major part of the mix, which obviously you and I know we're <laughs> going to, to hit our climate goals. You've got, um, as Paul would you know, say, no shit, Sherlock, <laughs> right? Small, small modular reactors, uh, gaining traction. First ones uh, being built fusion announcements, um, you know, with Sprott having more money with the the physical fund to continue buying. And so, um, and, and still uh, catalysts ahead, right? We've heard nothing from the utilities. China's still building reactors. And so, no, I'm with you. I've been um, trading around positions. I think I was telling you I bought some Denison. I'm not sure if I talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. the other week or not. So, yeah, I mean, the, the pullback is wonderful, as is the pullback in uh cryptos uh, for sure and yeah no I'm, I'm looking for for things to buy well the pullback in cryptos and we touched on it a bit last week is so timely right we're waiting on one exchange one platform to give us the final okay on being able to get that fifty thousand dollars and putting it to work and so this pullback couldn't have been more timely for mr chris Curl as he comes in and launches his service here within the next week or two. I'm excited for that. Um, you mentioned Denison. Another company that was mentioned by me last week was Patriot Battery Metals. I told you that I was expecting results any day. They were actually overdue, which typically when that happens, um, it's usually not good, right? People don't usually hold on to results if they're not good. In this case, it was the exact opposite. The The delay was due to the fact that the assay lab had to go back and reassay just to make sure that they were getting the grades correct because of the numbers that Patriot was able to put out. Bottom line, they drilled 0.93% lithium oxide over 146.8 meters. It starts from surface. Um, this is from pegmatite five. There's seven that outcrop. There's probably 20 on the property. Um, this is a legitimate discovery. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and put that out there early. And at current levels, yes, it's run up a little bit um, from the recent lows in the 20s. It's now in the 40s. This thing is going a lot higher. I can't think of a better time to make a lithium discovery in this part of the world, right? In Canada, in Quebec. And with Tesla moving up there soon and everything just lining up in the lithium space, I think this is going to be an exciting, exciting play to watch and keep an eye on. Yeah, it's a hot new one for sure. I read over the press release. It seems uh, legitimate, definitely. And, um, you know, as analogous to some other projects that we've been involved with that are, uh, you know, quality de- deposits that are going to be mines and, um, 
yeah, this this green medals thing is is going to keep going. So, uh, congrats to Patriot Battery Metals, and look forward to more drilling there. Right? No, and you look. Congrats to subscribers on your end as well, because the analog, of course, you know, is is critical elements, right? And so, you know, that project much more advanced, permitted. You know, this is an exciting new discovery, but it's got quite a bit of drilling in order to outline what's actually there. Um, I think the potential for you know thirty to fifty million tons. I I, I think that's a gimme. I think there's there's triple digit potential here with Patriot. But with critical elements, you took that from where did you help finance it? It was 29 cents. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's it at? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pulled back a little bit, but you know, it was um, up around $2, uh, not too, too long ago. And um, it's pulled back to around 160. They just closed the big financing. So, um, you know, $30 million, which is a, a decent amount of money. And um, that just closed. So I suspect it gets back to its old ways of, of moving higher, especially as it gets closer to. Um, you know, whatever final permitting and uh, and uh, and uh, just moving the project forward to what's next construction decision. So anyway, yeah, yeah, free I mean, podcast. 20, you, yeah, absolutely, free podcast. Y'all, y'all are gonna get your money's worth on this one. So just for some context, everyone, to to, to give you an idea on the potential here with Patriot and Critical Elements. Critical Elements has a market cap, Nick, of what, roughly three hundred million plus, a little bit over Canadian. It's precisely three hundred million Canadian. Well, there you go, Patriot. It's at 14.6 million right now. Not saying it's critical elements yet, but I'm saying it has that type of potential. So yeah, one that I'm really excited about. I'm biased. I help finance it at 16 cents. Um, I plan on writing another check as soon as the company lets me. I'm buying some in the open market. So if that doesn't scream bias to you, um, I don't know what does, but I'm biased about everything I talk about or I would not be talking about it. That's right. Eat the own cooking, right? Got to do it. Got to do it. Let's talk cryptos. Uh, we touched on it a little bit. We talked about Chris's service that's going to launch. Uh, you mentioned that you were dabbling. Are you still hodling? <laughs> uh, I'm still uh, hodling, Gerardo, and I'm learning more and I'm talking to uh, more and more people who are interested. I think it's really becoming a, a much bigger and broader phenomenon. Um, where do I want to start? Um so the the bit the the Bitcoin futures fund is now uh, up and trading now has been uh, trading for just over a week or so I guess the ticker is B I T O I think that's going to do a lot to bring uh, money into the Bitcoin space into the crypto space having an approved uh, futures ETF that is now getting its uh, feet underneath it have been buying that one. Um, uh, there's companies that are that are trading uh, better now and you see more and more interviews with people like Michael Saylor and Raul Powell and I hear more and more people talking about those uh, interviews and the havings and you know what's expected for crypto heading into 2022 um, what else um, lots of people uh, tweeting and writing about these volcano bonds in El Salvador um, which you can mm -hmm. uh, buy in the yield six and a half percent. And um, and that gets very interesting because it really speaks to some of the uses. Right. One of the things you hear as far as a detractor from cryptos is, you know, OK, but what do they do? How do you use them? And, and in this case, you have a country that doesn't have its own currency um, that's able to issue bonds to raise money, right, um, using uh, crypto and they're using um, using Bitcoin and um, geothermal energy to mine it. So they're going to raise a billion dollars um, and half the money is going to go to build a crypto city. So uh, you can see how uh, 
on the one hand, uh, it's getting more mass adopted, how the the use cases are very real. And then on the other hand, why the establishment is is so scared of it, right? You know, think about the World Bank and the IMF and the roles that they play um, and why this is so scary for them. And I guess if I may, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was that uh, thing with Elon Musk where he was saying he would give them so many billion dollars. <laughs> yep. Uh, I guess that was the UN, I guess. But nonetheless, the, this story is, is useful. And, it, it, and he was saying, if you can prove, you know, that this money uh, goes entirely to fighting world hunger in a transparent fashion, which, of course, um, no bureaucratic institution like the IMF, World Bank, or the UN can do, right? But uh, which can be done with uh, transactions on the uh, blockchain, uh, not only transparently, but without the need for those uh, entrenched institutions in general, right? And so uh, it's getting very real, I would say. I'm giving you another long answer, but um, more and more people I come across are interested, are opening uh, crypto accounts. And I think um, it's getting more widely accepted on Wall Street as well, which portends larger money coming into the sector, right? And so um, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was a real answer or not, but um, I'm very excited to, to finally get this service uh, launched. I personally was uh, buying some crypto related assets last week and again uh, today. And I guess that's about it. Um, 2022, I think, is going to be a good year for cryptos, and they're firmly on the scene as a new asset class, I would say. Agreed, agreed. Um, Elon flexes a little different than the average billionaire, and I guess you can do it when you're worth as much as he is, but for those that aren't familiar with what Nick was referencing, the, the UN name-dropped Elon Musk and said that you you know with with Elon's fortune you know 6 billion it, it just 6 billion dollars of his fortune of his 300 billion dollar fortune could solve world hunger <laughs> and so Elon of course cuz his twitter game is on point responded back and he said well if you can describe on this twitter thread exactly how 6 billion dollars will solve world hunger i will sell tesla stock right now and give it to you man, I don't need $6 billion. I don't need $300 billion. I'm comfortable with what I have now. But I do wish I could flex on on, on, on the UN just one time like that. Like, go ahead. I'll be your Huckleberry. Show me. And of course, they weren't able to show them, right? Show him. And so I just think it's... Um, I, I, I think it's a, a good use of the platform. And I think it speaks to the lack of trust, the eroding trust that our institutions um, are earning. They're earning this lack of trust. They're, they're earning the doubts, whether it's our justice system, which we're going to get into here in a yeah. bit with the Michigan school shooting, the incident a couple of weeks ago in Wisconsin where some asshole ran over and killed, uh, I forget exactly how many people, and, and injured over 60. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Mr. Osteen, um, megachurch maniac Osteen. Um, and, then, and then we're going to talk Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo. And actually, let's get into that right now, right? We now know that Andrew Cuomo has been um, in, in, indicted on or been being investigated on sexual harassment charges by the Justice Department. And we know that his brother, who's an anchor at CNN, while reporting on the story, was privately coaching and advising his brother. Now, 
sure, if it's a family member, go ahead and do it. But again, disclose the conflict of interest, right? Don't report on a story and, and, and pretend to do so as a journalist that's not supposed to be biased and, and, and then bury and sweep under the rug nasty shit that your brother's accused of doing. And if he is guilty, I hope they, you know, they put his ass where he belongs. But um, yeah, no, not a good look for CNN, not a good look for the Cuomo family, um, not a good look for many, many of our institutions that are supposed to lead the way. I think we're, we're, we're entering a point in our history where progress and advancements are going to have to be more privately led than in the past, right? We can't keep looking to the bastions of media and 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 and, and law enforcement to solve all problems for us. It's going to have to, you know, be a collective of the citizenry getting together and being more active and more involved. And I think, you know, the recent um the recent shooting here in 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 Michigan, I think speaks to that a bit. I mean, you want to talk about an absolute failure. I mean, negligent failure by everybody um that is what happened in michigan should not have happened and so for those of you that aren't familiar there was a school shooting um less than a week ago where a 15 year old kid killed four students at a michigan high school now the parents have been charged with involuntary manslaughter the reason being the parents bought a gun on black friday they made it available to this 15-year-old. A teacher saw this 15-year-old the day before um, looking and searching for ammunition on his phone, right? A day before the shooting. The teacher concerned con contacted um, the parent and the parent texted to the son, laugh out loud, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. This is Monday, so timeline Monday. Tuesday, the very next day, a teacher finds a note on this kid's desk. And the teacher does the right thing, takes a photo. And it was a drawing of a gun pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me. And then there was also a drawing of a bullet with words that above it that said, blood everywhere. He also wrote, my life is useless, the world is dead. So obviously, if you're a parent with half a fucking brain, you get involved, right? You try to figure out what's going on. And if you know what's going on, you try to make sure that, 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 that one, everyone else around this kid is safe, but also that this kid is safe. Clearly, he's asking for help. He literally said, help me, right? He, yep. didn't, he didn't accidentally leave that on his desk for no one to find it. He put it on top of his desk and left it there. So the school has a meeting with the kid and the parents. The school tells them you need to get counseling within 48 hours. The school did the right thing in that sense. They said, there's urgency here. We need you to get him counseling within 48 hours. He has to speak with someone. The parents don't talk to their son about the gun. They don't check his backpack. He returns to class and starts lighting everyone up. There's a video on the internet um, of, of this kid outside the door pretending to be a sheriff. And these 15-year-old kids inside the classroom you know, are all doing what you're supposed to do, what, what, what these shooter drills teach, which is, you know, crouch and, and, and get low to the ground and away from a window. And, you know, one of the kids says, well, we don't, we don't know if you're a sheriff or not. And, and the kid says, pretending to be the sheriff, he says something along the lines of, come on, just open the door, bro. 
And everybody in this video, you, you hear all the kids, he said, bro, he said, bro, cops don't talk that way, right? So they were smart enough to know, oh shit, this guy that's out there, this kid that's out there shooting everything up is probably going to shoot his way through this door. And, you know, they were smart enough and brave enough to jump through a window and just haul ass. And all of this is on video. And I'm watching this, Nick. I have a 13-year-old. I have an 18-year-old. It, it broke my heart to see that these kids have to deal with this shit along with everything else, right? So after all this happens, after all this happens, the parents um, don't get them the counseling, don't follow up. Um, the kid's arrested. He's charged with terrorism. He's charged with four counts of murder. And now the parents are, are, are being charged um, with involuntary manslaughter. This is one of the few times where I actually agree with the prosecutor charging two parties that weren't directly involved, but were because of their negligence, right? And I, I, I again, you know, the school did everything right except not check the backpack in the locker, which is beyond me. It's beyond me. It's beyond me why they wouldn't say we have to do a regular search. I I remember my high school years. I don't know how often I got my locker searched. Now I didn't run around with like the 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 most like teacher security friendly crowd back in the days, but I, I got my locker searched all the time for random reasons, right? So for a kid to 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 write blood everywhere and help and the thoughts won't stop and everything else that um that that this kid was screaming out for help. Um and, and, and for nobody to react, for the parents to not react, that is negligence. And four people died because of that negligence. And yeah, they should have their day in court. And now here we go, breaking news. The parents are on the run. That's right. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> you can't make this up. We told y'all this would be a, a crazy episode of Bizarro World. This is the real world. I wish I was making this stuff up. That's what I was saying when uh, <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast, when I said the stuff we're going to talk about just... It's completely out of a bizarre world. Yeah, I mean, what are these parents uh, thinking to, uh, I mean, all sorts of stuff. The mother to uh, humorously talk about, uh, you know, searching for ammunition when you're at school and you're supposed to be learning, right? And saying that uh, that's okay, all the way to um, yeah, providing him with the weapon and, and, and not you know, making sure that weapon was secure after learning that he was uh, drawing the pictures that he was drawing. Right. And so um, you said that all very well. So there's not a lot that I can add there um, other than they are, yes, on the run and uh, must feel some sense of guilt. Right. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. But, um, you know, you could take this a, a, a lot of different directions. I mean, um, you know, I'm not one to go and, you know, rant about the youth. Um, but this generation is is clearly a bit uh, nihilistic. Um, mm. If you look at if you look at the surveys as far as um, teenagers and their sentiments towards the, the world and their lives, they are. Um, well, Gerardo, what did this guy write? Um, he wrote that the world is dead. And so uh, I think that's what he wrote, right? He, he did. He, wrote? he did. The world the, is the world dead is to dead. me. And so um, they don't all feel that way, of course. I would never paint with a broad brush. But sure. if you look at the sur the surveys, uh, some of the sentiments uh, among the younger part of the millennial generation and the older, whatever we're calling them, Zs, um, are that their individual lives are okay, but that... Um, 
well, that the, the broader world is is dead or listless or lacks direction or, you know, basically what I said, nihilism. And so I don't want to talk about that forever. I'm not saying that that's the cause of this thing, but I do want to say that that is, you know, been noted in, in surveys of kids this guy's, uh, this kid's age. Um, what else did I want to say? It, it, it's also very interesting to me, the uh parents buying the weapons for the children right is interesting to me mm. so uh, and i don't want to talk about kyle rittenhouse a lot but that was the same thing in that instance mm-hmm. right the mother had had bought the the weapon for the son and then i think about my own experience which is what i should talk about more because i'm none of these people mm-hmm. um it's like you know i was uh given a shotgun bought a shotgun when i was uh 12 years old but that shotgun was uh, kept in a, a locked safe in the gun cabinet in the basement and I wasn't allowed to access it unless I was with my father and it was certainly only to be used for um, target practice and, and hunting right and so and I had to go through all the classes uh, etc before I was allowed to use it and it was none of this um, for me you know you're allowed to have a pistol you're allowed to have an AR none of that would fly right it was a single shot hunting shotgun right and so um, I just wonder what that culture is where both these parents had posted on social media about the purchase of the gun on their own social media accounts. You know, what is it with, you know, buying your 15 year old son uh, a gun and bragging about it? That's cool. You know, I get America's gun culture. I like guns. I own guns. I, I shoot things both alive and inanimate. I mean, uh, but I don't, you know, uh, brag about that it's certainly not the gun and the and the killing aspect of it right so anyway uh, those are just thoughts i guess we call this our therapy sessions those are the things i think about when i when i try to figure out what these people are thinking or, or what this that subculture is uh that that parents uh, want to buy their uh, kids these weapons seemingly before they're uh Mature enough, yeah. Right, to handle them or uh, be when they're in a state uh, that they clearly are, um, you know, uh, not mentally prepared to uh, handle it. And the last thing I would say is, and again, gun owner here, Second Amendment supporter, but, you know, when you look at cigarettes or you look at booze, it's like uh, try to get your mommy to go buy you a pack of cigarettes, right? And so that is a little logic gap for me. Well said. Well said. And again, just for the context, I'm not I'm not throwing this kid any bail here. Put that little fucker under the prison. He killed four kids. Um, he terrorized, you know, countless others, shot several others. Sure. But clearly the kid needed some help and clearly the parents are negligent. If my 15 year old wrote, my life is useless and the world is dead. And I knew that I had put a weapon in his hands that he had access to. There is no way in hell that he's keeping that weapon and that we're not getting that kid some help. And right. we're not, not responding immediately. So that brings me to the case. <laughs> and this is going to tie in beautifully with my, you can be a fucking rat for a living um, thing that I'm going to segue into in a bit. But this brings me into the, the, the Milwaukee district attorney's office where there was what the media said was a parade tragedy. It, it was a tragedy. Um, it wasn't an accident. Um, this, this, this asshole, Daryl Brooks killed six people wounded more than 60 others when he ran his SUV through the Waukesha Christmas Parade on November the 21st. Um, This guy was allowed to be released on bail for $1,000 from a domestic violence case. 
he had two dozen felony cases. Actually, let me take that back. Let, let, let me start over. The, the, the prosecutor that was reviewing this case was reviewing two dozen felony cases. She reviewed Brooks's case. His bail was $500. The prosecutor doubled it to $1,000. The mistake that the district attorney made, the assistant district attorney made, was not knowing that this defendant was already a sex offender, already had a domestic violence case where he tried running his girlfriend over a couple of weeks before um, while she was walking through a gas station parking lot, um, the mother of his kid. So if I'm, if I'm an assistant district attorney and I know that this guy just weeks ago tried running his, the, the mother of his child over in a parking lot, I know that he's already a convicted sex offender in Nevada. I know that he's already been charged with bail jumping because he was out on bail for another incident from July of 2020, right? Uh, he was accused of firing a handgun during an argument and was charged with two counts of second degree, recklessly endangering safety while using a weapon and one count of possession of a firearm. All those things didn't put a red flag or an alert that maybe this person shouldn't be granted bail until we, 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 we you know, figure out what's going on, get all the information. And so they said that the mistake happened due to her not having access to a critical risk assessment for Brooks because it hadn't yet been uploaded to the office's case management system. So again, six people died, more than 60 others were wounded because someone didn't have the urgency to upload this guy's criminal history to the case management system and nobody thought to double check. It's irresponsible. It led to people dying. Um, the, 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 the DA said it is overwhelmed with cases. It said that they have so many cases that they just simply aren't able to give every case an honest assessment when it comes to the purpose of bail because they're so overwhelmed and they blamed everything from budget cuts to losing a couple of, you know, assistant district attorneys. Look, bottom line is get the job done. Again, put this asshole underneath the prison as well. And it, it, it didn't escape me. And Joe Rogan talked about this last week. I saw a clip where he talked about how, you know, the, 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 this, this, this guy that killed these people was being, was being framed on television as, you know, someone that lost control of the vehicle. I saw the video. There was no losing control right. of the vehicle. This fucking asshole plowed into it and in, intended to kill people. He also had a lot of anti-white posts on Facebook and social media where, you know, he, he was railing against the Rittenhouse verdict and, and, and how unfair things were. And again, Again, look, I, I'm not for any kind of racism, right? I'm no kind of bigotry, no kind of anything. It's equal all the way around. So I don't care if you're racist towards black people or white people or any kind of people. You're a dick. So for, for the media to kind of shy away from this case and not go as, as, as critical as it had the Kyle Rittenhouse case, for example, to me, again, speaks to the dwindling credibility that the institutions have. And then I'll say this and then I'll shut up and let you opine, Nick. So you're going to love me fucking telling you that six people are dead and 60 people are injured because the district attorney's office doesn't have enough money to hire appropriately and give, you know, people a proper review. 
while at the same time, I read that federal agencies paid $548 million to informants working for the FBI, the DEA, and the ATF in recent years. I'll let you speak because I'm going to rant about that one. And if you got kids around on this one, this is probably the time where the kids shouldn't listen because there's going to be some cursing on this one. I mean, there's so much to say, right? My so, God. <laughs> I, I'll, try, I'll try to work in reverse. I was reading a, a, an article this week about a, a Middle Eastern gentleman who refused to be an FBI informant when he was approached uh, by the FBI to become one and how they ruined his life, essentially, for the... Uh, next several years, uh, he, his family, and his his uh, friends' lives by putting mm. him on all, all sorts of different, you know, mm -hmm. uh, lists. No, no, no fly zones. Yep. Um, you know, mess, messing with the social media. But uh, anyway, I'll let you get there. So, um, what the fuck is going on in Wisconsin? First of all, I mean, um, way too many headlines coming out of uh, Wisconsin in the, in the past couple of years for everything to past couple uh, of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be okay there, right? Uh, stuff going on. And so speaks uh, more broadly, uh, frankly, to um, the societal changes going on. And you mentioned them there at the end about uh, this guy's post on social media and that he was uh, deliberately trying to hit people. And that's what people said that were eyewitnesses, right? This man was swerving to intentionally cause more carnage and yep. suffering and death, right? And yep. so... Um, uh, the media did what the 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 media did, right? Uh, you framed that very well. Called it an an accident. Said the car veered into the thing instead of you know it was steered into the parade by a, a man who was controlling the vehicle, right? <laughs> um, the car didn't drive itself in there by itself, right? And so um, it also speaks to I think. And sorry, I'm just trying to to get out all the things that I wanted to say to the to the politicization of of everything in this country and the. Um, yeah, well, how, how politicized everything is that you've got, you know, your left wing groups uh, trying to downplay it because this guy is a, a gentleman of uh, color to the, the white ring groups uh, pointing that out, saying, you know, CCC, this is why we've got to uh, whatever, be armed at protests or parades or, you know, why Kyle Rittenhouse was OK to do what he did. And it becomes this immediate back and forth, so much so that you had to have two senators come out uh, jointly, a Republican and Democrat, and say, hey, six people just died and 60 were injured. Let's not politicize um, this thing. And then, of course, there's the very real failure of the uh, justice system and, and prosecutors that led to, to this guy being able to uh, do what he did anyway. So, um, I mean, those are my, my thoughts about it. You've again said it well, but I guess what I would end with is that um, it's increasingly hostile out there. And you've said this mm. a few times, right? Mm -hmm. Stay safe, right? Be safe. You've got um, uh, armed groups at, at protests um, that can spill over at any time. I was reading a study this week about um, basically yeah, protests and um protests that people were armed at and weren't armed at. And um, clearly there's the potential for um, death <laughs> at the at protests where uh, people are armed. And that's becoming increasingly common um, in America, which is, um, if you didn't already know that, is now being like studied academically. And so 
um, these armed protests, even where there's just a militia there to quote unquote, keep the peace are spilling over into one or more deaths more and more frequently. And so uh, there's that danger. There's that random danger, right, of uh, the parade thing that we just discussed uh, or the school shooting, which is also another uh, random danger, though, in each case, there were uh, clues or signs, as there often are. Um, and then I guess I would talk about the school right in Michigan again, where we just had the school shooting and why it's broader than this kid. Like a couple of weeks ago, someone cut off a deer's head and dropped it through the atrium of the school. Right. That's like a weird act. Um, you think? I, I, I won't go so far as to say it's psychopathic or sociopathic, but to put a decapitated deer's head through the atrium of your high school, completely unrelated to the shooting, um, just speaks to the. I don't know what I was saying earlier about the the current culture and climate of the uh, country and, and how people feel about it. That when a when a when a shooting happens at a school um, and people put a spotlight on it, like all this crazy shit comes out. It's like, wait, there was dead deer heads in your school, and that's not relating to the shooting. What the fuck is going on over there, right? So, um, and that's just one school, right? I'd imagine that if you put a spotlight on. Um, uh, other schools around the country, you might find similar things happening. And so uh, anyway, just uh, uh, try to tie it all together out there and say that, um, yeah, stay safe, stay sane. I mean, this also comes at a time of, uh, uh, you know, lockdowns and a global pandemic and you've got, Jesus Christ, what's going on in Australia and Germany. And so in that sense, you've, you've got a very real villain, something that the citizenry can unite against and that has always been uh, sort of the wolf at the door, right? Like uh, even back to outsider club days and what people worry about as far as the government taking control, you're seeing that uh, in a very real way. And and meanwhile, the the populace is too divided about many of the things that we just talked about to, to, to organize and say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on in the, in the, in the broader scheme of things here? And so um, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Crazy times, bizarre world, right? Meanwhile, you can become a millionaire if you want to be a rat for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> an Amtrak and parcel delivery worker group was making a million bucks or more being informants, Nick. Remember how, how when like the, the the whole like Proud Boy thing was jumping off and the Black Lives Matters protests were, were jumping off. And I said, you know, there's no way that all these people are committing all these crimes on Instagram, not getting sure. indicted and, and, and just being able to go city to city and be escorted by the police without them being rats. And, and sure enough, we found out that the leader uh, at, at the time, you know, ended up was an informant the whole time. So when I read this shit, that informants are authorized to commit crimes with the p- permission of their handlers. I, I mean, I knew it was happening. I've seen it happen, but for it to be verified, there were, Nick, <laughs> formally, there were 22,800 crime authorizations in a four-year period. Why am I paying tax dollars, federal tax dollars, for these assholes to greenlight crimes that I got to worry about? The FBI paid $294 million to informants um, between 2011 and 2015. There's, this is insane. One Amtrak employee was paid $962,000 in a five-year period to be a confidential informant. The information provided 
<laughs> this is what the investigator called it because this is the only reason these numbers came out. There's an investigation about how money is allocated and why these rats are allowed to commit these crimes, right? The IG called it a substantial waste of government government funds because the information provided could have been obtained by the DEA at no cost through a joint task force with the Amtrak police. So again, while cities and counties are struggling to even keep up with the caseload to the point where we can't vet defendants and see if they merit bail, low bail, or no bail, the FBI, the DEA, and all these groups are out here handing out millions of dollars for information that they don't need to pay for. It's crazy to me. Crazy. It said the average DEA informant makes approximately $26,000, right? And so, again, I'll put the link up. It's a Forbes article. It's well-written. I can't believe that in this country, <laughs> we are green-lighting informants and allowing them to commit crimes. And, and you know what? Likely holding counterparties responsible when they react, right? We've talked about what happens if, you know, <laughs> if, if you're aggressive towards me, you're probably going to get an aggressive response. I'm at a pretty disproportionate like uh, disadvantage here if you're an FBI agent and I happen to hit you back or worse. I, I, I can't believe this is legal. I can't believe it's legal. I can't believe that there are crime authorizations, like you say. So you are giving money to the government. You are going to work. They are taking money out of your paycheck when it's delivered. And somewhere along the way, that money is going to... Um, foster crimes against the communities in which you live. It's insane. The FBI spent 42 million a year on confidential human sources, it said. And, and let me be absolutely clear. I, when I say rats and I say informants, I, I, there is nothing wrong with cooperating with law enforcement when you are a, a, a law-abiding citizen going about your business, if a crime has been committed against you. I'm talking about the assholes that are living a life of crime then get caught, then decide that they don't want to be accountable for the crimes they committed, and then get authorized and paid, apparently, to go commit more crimes with the blessings of the federal government. That's what I mean when I say rats and informants. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, the average Joe citizen that sees, you know, someone getting beat up and, and calls 911. That's what you're supposed to do, right? I'm not talking about, you know, someone that sees a crime being committed and, and, and reacts and, you know, and, and, and gets cops involved. No, there's no problems with that. I encourage that. We Nobody likes crime, right? We don't want that. But I sure in the hell don't want my federal dollars going to these informants and these 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 people to, to 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 commit crimes. I mean, I understand the value of human intel, but isn't that what the FBI and the DEA is supposed to be for? I'm perplexed. Yeah, to so, to, to solve crimes, right? And no, it sounds like um, that entire system has become corrupt. I mean, like that's like some uh, training day stuff, right? Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, how do you put it? How do you put an end to that, right? And 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 yeah, why is it even why is it even legal? And when you talk about debt and and taxes and needing to raise taxes, um, you know, I often talk about the companies that don't pay any uh, taxes, and we'll talk about churches in a second. But then you've got the the wasteful spending of which you know you can start at defense, but stuff like this, man, that is just like. Um, not only easy solutions fiscally, but, you know, obviously um, 
socially, right? That you don't want to be paying criminals to, to stay out there to commit crimes. And so um, just to further um, evidence, further support that the justice and policing system has become a, a caricature of itself. I mean, there was a, a report out this week that the SB, CIA staff was, um, you know, sexually molesting children, right? And so, um, yeah, a bizarre world. This entire podcast was uh, bizarre and it's not over yet. I mean, the list of, of things <laughs> that is uh, happening and is uh, being revealed, right? Um, some of which you sort of already knew, but um, it continues to come out uh, with new information in this age of um, the democratization of information. And so... Um, I think you're going to continue to learn more and more. We haven't even talked about the, <laughs> the trial that's going on or uh, the preacher yet. So um, <laughs> the pimp and the preacher, and, and, and it all it, it, it all ties together, right? It's all like in, interrelated. Let, let, you want to start with the preacher? You want to start with the trial? Um. Let's do the trial. That way we can laugh at Joel before we get out of here. All right. So Epstein's co-pimp, Maxwell, right? Uh, what's her name? Galene. I always mess her name up. What, what's her name? Gislaine Maxwell. Gislaine Maxwell. Her. Epstein's co-pimp. Her trial now is, 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 is you know, underway. And, you know, cur- curiously, she hasn't wound up dead. Um, curiously, nobody else yet has been arrested. Um, I'll let you provide the context on what you've gathered because I haven't kept up with this as much as I probably should have only because it's early in the trial and there I hasn't, I haven't seen anything that made me really want to dig into it, um, you know, further. It seems like so far it's, it's a lot of what we thought, but not throwing anybody else under the bus, which is kind of what I'm hoping happens in this case, because this is one of those times Ms. Maxwell, where telling <laughs> is appropriate, right? Yeah, so she's charged with helping Epstein uh, groom uh, girls, underage girls that were ultimately uh, sexual assaulted. Uh, and that's what she's on trial for. It's curious to me that the trial is is private, first of all, mm-hmm. right? Like why, why can't, you know, we, we see this like we see other trials. It's, it's like the first red flag. And so, you know, it should be uh, public information. But uh, moving on, it started on Monday and, you know, they've been bringing witnesses, um, girls, victims, uh, alleged victims, however you want to frame that, uh, people who worked at the house, etc. I think there's been some interesting revelations. I mean, we learned that we got some flight logs. There was a, a dump of, um, you know, people that were on the plane, and including, you know, uh, British royalty and, and, and former U.S. presidents uh, flying more frequently than we might have uh, otherwise thought. And then you got testimony from the, <clears throat> excuse me, the girls who, uh, uh, one so far who is uh, testifying anonymously um, uh, said that uh, Mr. Epstein and Ms. Maxwell started grooming her from a very young age that um, they came to a summer camp she was at, um, started asking her questions. Uh, coincidentally, uh, I'm doing air quotes, um, the girl <laughs> lived in Palm Beach where they happened to yep. live as well. Um you know, started inviting her and her mom to the house. The mom came over once, um, and this is corroborated by later witnesses, which I'll get to in a second. Um, uh, and then basically said that um, increasingly, uh, Miss Maxwell um, gained her trust alongside uh, 
Mr. Epstein took her on shopping trips, uh, perhaps gave the family uh, some money or helped them out in in, in monetary ways, paying bills, uh, etc. And then ultimately started talking to her about sex and sexual things. And, and this is while she's 14, right? Um, bringing uh, naked women around her, introducing her to nude women at a uh, pool party, asking her things about sex, and then ultimately, uh, this is her testimony, the girls, uh, culminated with uh, Mr. Epstein taking her into a pool house, putting her on his lap, masturbating, um, and then acting like nothing happened after that, uh, and then from there progressed into you know, direct sexual assault, right, in- including multiple individuals. So, um, and then you had uh, uh help at the house testify a gentleman who's now in his 70s that said yes this girl was there i I remember her she looked very young Uh, we had strict instructions about what we could do at the house i was even directed to go pick her up from her house once and so it's all starting to tie together now to your point no big bombshells about big names but uh, the testimony so far seems to point to her guilt which is good to see right and so um what else did I want to say? Oh, you had some uh, like professional psychologists, psychiatrists testifying about um, how you would groom uh, an underage girl to um, sexually abuse her. And the textbook was to the testimony of what the, the girl was uh, saying, Miss Maxwell and, and Mr. Epstein did. And so um, I guess that's about it. We're in day four. We've heard from a girl who is still anonymous. She's an actress now. We've heard from the help. We've heard some uh, from some professionals, and um, her guilt is 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 emerging. I would say, but it's just you know interesting to 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 see how um, a person of this nature. I'm talking about Epstein and and all the people he was surrounded with, right? Which is back to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to look for for more of that because. Yes. It doesn't end with this one 14-year-old girl and 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 the the lady who was helping Mr. Epstein, right? It goes to the all the photos that everyone's seen, right? And who he was uh traveling with and who was traveling to those houses and at those parties and on those planes and at that island. And so um one to keep following for sure and 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 we'll see how it continues to go. Meanwhile, Joel Osteen. <laughs> mega American pastor out of Houston, Texas, um, is back in the news again. Uh, a plumber was doing some work <laughs> and he, he dug into the wall and he found over $600,000 <laughs> in, in the wall. What gets me about this story is the plumber actually like went and told somebody there were 500 envelopes right and and he said there was a loose toilet in the wall we removed the tile um went to go remove the toilet moved away some insulation and ta-da 500 envelopes fell out of the wall (laughs) so this is at the lakewood church in houston it is a massive church um, we know Mr. Osteen does not pay taxes. We know it's a massive he, something. That's a massive something. It's um, look, I I, I don't know. I I got so many thoughts on this, and no thoughts that really matter. I guess so. I I don't want to just say things for the sake of saying things. But Mr. Osteen is messy, man. Every time there's a story about him, it's not good. Dude, uh, what a conniving. Um, he said, "Where did psych- all that cash come from? Get the fuck out of here!" Siphon. <laughs> 
siphoning, um, yeah, tax evading, um, taking advantage of people down on their luck, rotten guy he is, right? So um, this was late breaking before we recorded. So unless I was duped by social media dupery, which sometimes <laughs> happens, it seems that um, there was the same amount of money went missing a couple of years ago and he had the insurance reimburse it for it. It went missing. It went missing from a Sunday collection. Mysteriously. I'm doing air quotes again. Um, that was like one weekend's collection from the mega church over half a million bucks. Right. And it went, it went, I guess, missing and the insurance reimbursed him for it. Just like I said. And so, um, awful curious if this is true. Let me, let me caveat it. Because sure. Again, late breaking that, a couple of years ago, you had 600 grand go missing. The insurance reimbursed you for it. And then the 600 grand turns up in your possession all along. It seems like you might be committing some type of uh, fraud there. I'm no legal expert, Gerardo. but um, And that's on top of all the people you're taking that money from that you're promising things to be it salvation or whatever it is. Uh, I won't get into that here. but uh, And then the taxes you're not paying on that money. And then... Uh, the people you're not letting into your fucking church when there's a hurricane because they might find your money in your toilet, you cocksucker. That's where I was going. And that's what I was going to say. I don't know this gentleman personally. I don't know who he's inspired or helped. But I do know this. I do know when hurricanes have, have, have you know, hit the city. And this happened several times, right? There, there, there was a hesitancy to even allow people to shelter in place. And so you nailed it. You nailed it. The fact that he is unwilling to open his doors on his place where he pays no taxes, where he takes in half a million to a million dollars a week from the people um, in their time of need. And then somehow there's $600,000 in cash and checks in a wall somewhere. Um, I don't know the guy, but every time there's a story about the guy, it, it it's messy. And, and I'm being kind with that. I'll leave it there. So, but that was a bizarro episode, huh? I mean, so he's not paying taxes on that money that we're paying taxes on so that the informants can continue to commit crimes. crimes and, so, and so that your justice system can't prevent uh, crimes that seemingly should be uh, prevented that resulted in the death of uh, children and many other people's loved ones. And yeah, that's why it's a bizarre world. What an episode. What an episode. Here's some late breaking news. Uh, Cardi B is becoming Playboy's first creative director in residence. Congratulations to Cardi. She said, I already have so many ideas. <laughs> I bet you do, Cardi. I'm looking forward to that brain of yours. <laughs> I'm going to get me some, some WAP NFTs. <laughs> That's how she wrote, everybody. It's been a crazy one. I know it's getting a little bit long in the tooth here. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was a crazy-ass therapy session, otherwise known as Bizarro World number 146. Nick, send us off. See ya.